are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. The podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host Matt, coming to you on May 26th of 2021. Uh, this episode's going to be a little bit different. We're going to have our first ever guest on here, and that's going to be from the MLB Daily Podcast within the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Um, as you guys know, we're affiliated with the Billy Up Podcast Network, and uh, you know we've been on the MLB Daily Show before, and we wanted to kind of return the favor, have them on, and, and kind of give you guys a different little spin and take on on some of the baseball things that have been going on. We're going to ask them if these, uh, you know, so many no hitters this year. We already had two more this week since we recorded last time. If if all of these no hitters are a bad thing for the game, and, and kind of just get their general overview of what the season's looked like so far. Um, but before we bring them in, how are you doing, Matt? I'm doing all right. I uh, had a pretty good week. Been doing a lot of work on my new house, and we're almost finished with that. So hopefully soon I won't have to keep doing that too much. And uh, been uh, been to a couple baseball games. I went to we can go to the uh, SEC baseball tournaments actually in my hometown. And uh, if nobody knows, the SEC is by far the the standard in college baseball. So um, you know every year. They, they play, the, the games are about a mile from my house, and uh, I try to go to as many as I can. So last night I went to LSU, played last night against, uh, I believe they played, man, I'm drawing a blank on it all of a sudden because I went to the game and, and they ended up losing. They played Georgia. LSU played Georgia, and I, I saw the end of the game. I, I went in there at the beginning because I had you know I had to finish up work and stuff, but uh, that was entertaining. And then Auburn played Ole Miss last night. Of course, I was there being an Auburn guy, but um, going to try to go tomorrow evening too. I, I, Vanderbilt should be playing tomorrow evening, and if they win the late game tonight, and I'm hoping that they'll be pitching one of their top two guys, that'll be really fun to get to go see either uh, Jack Leiter or Kumar Rocker pitch. So um, that's exciting. But uh, but yeah, but everything's been good. So uh, how are things going on your end? It's going all right. Just uh, you know, going along. We uh, went racing this week with my buddy, and, and kind of got taken out there and then some damage on the car. So that wasn't good, but you know, we got Memorial day weekend coming up. So that's a big, a uh, big holiday over here in my family. You know, we had a lot of people serve in the military and stuff. So it's a, uh, it's, it's going to be a nice three day weekend here and, and kind of just some rest and relaxation and enjoy it also. No doubt. No doubt. Well, we're going to cut it right here. Um, and when we pick this back up, you guys will hear us with the MLB daily podcast guys. All right, welcome back in, everyone. Like we promised, we have Brandon and LJ from MLB Daily in on the show today. Um, just kind of giving you guys a different perspective. So how you guys doing, Brandon and LJ? Uh, we're uh, doing I'm, fantastic. Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having us. Uh, it's certainly nice to be able to uh, hop on another of the the Belly Up Sports, uh, the the baseball podcast. So, yeah, it's awesome to be here. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about your guys' podcast and, and kind of just overall about how you guys view the game and, and your guys' interest and stuff. I'll go ahead and take this one. Um, so at MLB Daily, our goal is to give as much baseball coverage from across the league as humanly possible. So we cover and react to every game of the MLB season. We let you know what happened, our thoughts on it, our thoughts on all of the trends, and we cover – we somehow cover so much ground and then yet also so little. We always find that we're having storylines that we just cannot fit into our episodes every day, which, I mean, it should be, like, impossible. But, I mean, once you really dive into the league as a whole, there's so much to talk about, so much that gets you excited, and so many different players that get you excited. 
Absolutely. Matt, you got any questions you wanted to ask them real quick? No, I mean, I, I think that's uh, that's good. I, I I really like that that perspective. I think it's a I think it's a kind of a good combo between our show and y'all show because you know we kind of look at a little bit of big picture type stuff and mm. you know like the game in general, how it's where it's going, you know, rules that kind of thing. That, that's been a lot of talk this year, and then you know y'all are focused on the day to day of the game, and I think that's great. I, I think it's a really good combo, and I think it's a couple of really good perspectives here. So um, that, I I really really enjoy that. So. Well, since we recorded last time, um, we've actually had two more no-hitters. We had Corey Kluber throw a no-hitter, and we had Spencer Turnbull throw another no-hitter. Um, so I believe that brings the total to seven so far this year. Is that uh, right? if, if you're counting Madison Bumgarner, yes. I count Bumgarners, but we'll yes. say officially six. So um, that that's the, we're on pace to shatter the record. I think the record's like 11 or 12 in a season or something. But um, anyways, we wanted to ask you guys – you know, do you think that the game is shifting more? You know, we saw the outbreak in home runs so much, and now it kind of seems that they deaden the ball a little bit, and we've seen more no hitters than ever so far this season. Is is this a bad turn for the game? Do you guys think, or or do you think that the game kind of needs this shift back to more of the pitching style rather than just every guy trying to hit a home run? Um, well, let me start off with the fact that I think with the group of young players we have, the group of emerging pitchers we have right now, with like the guys in Milwaukee, uh, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, the game itself is on the brink of being in a really great place. However, if you ask me, the quality of the game has decreased significantly because of the lack of offense. And that is partially because of this home run or nothing style that's being played. In my opinion, as exciting as the home run is, exciting as hard hit balls are, it's not as fun as seeing some good old hit and run, some contact baseball, just the variety. I think all of the sports, especially baseball and basketball, when you have variety in the ways that you're going about the game, it makes it so much better. But as far as why we're seeing these no hitters so much, Brandon, I think you probably will agree with me. You can certainly chime in after I, you know, stop ranting as I normally do. Um, if anyone wants to go listen to MLB Daily, you'll probably hear more of the same. But ML, the MLB has screwed themselves up beyond repair. Actually, I just posted a meme of this on my TikTok account um, because basically they are the only major sport that is in charge of the means of production of their equipment. They own a third of Rawlings and – with that, they have a lot of control. They were 100% a part of juicing the balls and getting more home runs, which took the game to way too much of an extreme. And now they're sitting here trying to fix the ball, and now we're seeing stuff like right now with this new ball that they deadened. Yes, they deadened it, so it didn't go far as far. But from everything, every indication we've seen, what they've done to the ball now is actually giving more movement to the breaking pitches. So... It's gotten to a point where they've screwed with the ball so much that they don't know how to get it back to being correct. And that means that we're going to see a lot of weird changes throughout the next couple of years as they desperately try to fix their idiotic mistake. Yeah, see, one of the things I was thinking is that players have got so accustomed to trying to hit the home run, you know, because they knew the ball would fly so much. Now they're trying to adjust back to the the ball's not flying as far, and that's allowing to a lot more softer contact. And like you said, the breaking balls are moving more, so that will allude to the more of a softer contact as well. And just not allowing them to really, you know, get as hard hits and, and 
make the hits fall into the places where the, the hit defenders aren't. Yeah. Uh, here's what I'll say about the, the no hitters. First of all, uh, so you, you mentioned the Corey Kluber's, uh, last week or yeah, it was the last week. Yeah. And, um, as a Yankees fan, it was really cool to be able to experience something like that because uh, the the Yankees haven't had one in the 21st century. So that was very cool to experience, especially someone who has watched Yankee games ever since I was growing up when I was five, that's six most, years old. That's the most special thing the Yankees have done in your adult life. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, that was uh, awesome. I will say that the the offense this year has been just, you know, it's it's not good. It's not an enjoyable product for, you know, the the casual fan that is trying to get into baseball or or if they see baseball as like their third or fourth uh, priority sport. Uh, I think when when you see the way the offense is this year. Like LJ said, so much home run or strikeout. I'm pretty sure that the league strikeout rate is somewhere around 24 or 25%, which is like what Nolan Ryan's strikeout rate was for his entire career. So when you put it in that perspective, it's it's really interesting just to see how good the the pitching is now. And uh, you know, it like I, I don't know what the MLB can really do from here. Like do they move the mound back? Do they make it so that pitchers aren't allowed to use any sort of substance on the ball? Because if the pitches have more more uh, break on them already, what is adding a foreign substance going to do to the pitch also? Like, I mean, it, it just seems like that everything is uh, sort of in the advantage of the pitchers right now, and that's why we're seeing such low offensive numbers. Yeah, and see, me and Matt also debated about the whole uh, moving the mound back that they were going to try it in the independent league, and we both very much were in uh, did not like that. We we want the mound to stay yeah. the same. We felt that it hurt would hurt the people that were actually pitchers, like a Kyle Hendricks or somebody like that, and just allow to people who are you know hard throwers um, and that didn't really know where the ball is going to go, but they can just throw really fast. Yeah, yeah, and that and that brings me to another point that I think a lot of times right now in, in the game you talk about the velocity of pitchers and how it's never been higher. And if I go to a, and I was we were talking in the in our opening earlier about I went to the SEC tournament game last night and um, and I'm gonna go probably tomorrow again. And there's we well, go watch in uh, a college baseball or or in the lower minors. These guys are reaching back and just throwing as hard as they can. It's like they're treating the game as a driveline session. And I like driveline, and I think there's a, I think it's got a great purpose, and it, it's something that's definitely a, you know, a very good, you know, thing for a lot of pitchers. They need to go and and learn from that. It's it's a tool that needs to be used. But at the same time, you get into a game and you've got pitchers that are just throwing as hard as they can and they have no idea where it's going and and the hitters need to adjust to that i mean choke up on choke up a little bit put the ball in play at, at times i mean i i get you know you've, you've got your guys like you got your fernando tatis jr your ronald acuna jr your mike trout all these guys that can hit can can, can hit those fastballs and hit the high velocity and that stuff you know and hit a lot of home runs and and do everything right right now but i mean at, at a certain point you know if you're you know, say uh, who's a guy that's really struggled. It feels like it feels like DJ LeMahieu has really struggled. You know, in the last year or year and a half, 
after they after the you know the ball's been unjuiced because he was a guy that was launching the ball up in the air and with it being a juiced ball he had enough power to get it over the fence and now he's trying to hit home runs that's a guy that hits a lot for a lot of contact and always has and he's got a good approach and he always has but it seems like that's changed a little bit now with the way that he's approaching things and i think that's the type of an example of a type of guy who jose altuve is kind of a similar situation even though you know we can talk about the cheating and stuff but um he's a guy who i feel like you know maybe back in when he was really 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 good up and coming you know he his skill set he sprayed the ball around the field and you know he hit for enough power but you know its approach and his getting on base was a big deal and you see a lot of these guys that are starting to strike out a lot now because they're, you know, just trying to hit home runs and they just don't have quite the raw power for it as much when, without the juiced ball. So, um, but I think there, I think there needs to be a shift in philosophy from the, from the hitters too, because obviously offense is down. And I feel like, you know, what I've, from what I've watched this year, a lot of guys who are kind of spraying the ball to all fields and stuff, a lot of the teams that are kind of emphasizing that are the ones doing well. So I, have to see. See, I can't see where the entertainment value wouldn't increase by moving the mound back because, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying there, but by giving that extra time for reaction on those hard throwers, that's that's only going to help the hitter. But then you think about some of these guys like a Kyle Hendricks, these slower, slower, slower throwing guys. Are the majority of their bread and butter, like a Ryan Yarbrough, is about getting the soft contact because they have pitches that move a lot. Those pitches are only going to move more with more time to get there. So you're going to see a lot nastier breaking pitches, in my opinion, from what I've understood from moving the mound back. You're going to get those nasty breaking pitches, which look really great on highlight reels, and you're going to get the increased contact play of the four. Yeah, and the, the one thing that I'll, that I'll say about that is that, you know, the making pitches might look nastier, but you, the hitters will have more time to pick up the spin. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where a lot of times you see a, a pitcher throw a really good curveball, like uh, someone that throws a hard curveball. Like, like you've watched Craig Kimbrell this year. He's he's emphasized his curveball a little bit more. He's throwing it really hard. He's, you know, mid to upper 80s with, the, you know, the actual overhand. Or I, I don't know if he throws a knuckle curve or an overhand curve. But either way, you've seen Craig Kimbrell throw this pitch. And sometimes it feels like his curveball is more effective because it, it looks more like his fastball. It doesn't break maybe quite as much, but it's hard, and it, he throws it from the same arm slot. He throws it, you know, with the same arm speed. But mm-hmm. then you've got a guy some, – some of these guys who have that big, loopy curveball that looks crazy nasty. I mean, it th- he throws it up in the air. It's like an, almost an EFIS pitch, and those don't typically do quite as well just because they're easier to pick up. I think you're going to see more of that if you move the mound back, it, it, you know, at least from some guys. Now, there's – there's different situations that for different people. I mean, you might still see a guy like, like Craig Kimbrell's curveball that he throws so hard, be, you know, nastier as possible. But uh, that's just kind of my thought on, on that, that type of thing. But uh, either it could go either way. I, I don't know. I don't think you'll ever figure it out until it happens. So. Mm. Very fair. Well, another thing we've seen in the game a lot recently this season is a big emphasis, or not emphasis, but a lot more injuries have happened. Um, And we had some other high-profile injuries happen this week. Um, Corey Kluber, we talked about, he threw the no-hitter. He also had a shoulder injury that looks like it's going to take him out for about two months, um, come out today. Marcelo Zuna, what, he sprained his thumb? 
broke, broke two fingers sliding broke, into third. Broke two fingers, so it looks like he's probably going to be out five to six weeks. Um, Luke Voigt, he got an oblique strain, a grade two oblique strain that is today. That'll take him out for some time. Mike Trout, since we recorded, he got hurt. Looks like he's going to be out about six weeks. Um, what have you guys seen from the injury kind of situation this year, and did you expect this many injuries coming off that shortened season? Well, uh, I can say that for for pitchers, I certainly thought that there was going to be a lot more emphasis uh, on in injuries this year, but I thought that there was going to be a lot more guys just not pitching as many innings because, you know, coming off of that 60-game uh, season, I think it, you know, it it did something weird to to some of these pitchers' arms. I mean, we've seen how many guys have to go down with something like Tommy John this year. Of, of course, a uh, Dustin May, uh, James Paxton, uh, and then we saw other guys preseason too, like a like a Trevor Rosenthal who had problems, and now we see another big name in Kluber. So, uh, I think for for pitching. Certainly, I'm surprised, or I'm not surprised that there's been quite a few injuries. As for the hitters, uh, I've, I don't know. Team, teams like the Mets, who have just been ravaged with injuries these last couple of weeks, are certainly on the short end of the stick. But uh, I don't really see why the hitter injuries would be uh, increased uh, this season. But it certainly sucks to see some of the big names out, especially like Trout and and Byron Buxton too, you know, because those were two of the probably the best players in the league up until the point when they got hurt. So it sucks to see them uh, not playing now. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of this probably should be expected here. I mean, you look at some of these guys, particularly uh, Trout, Buxton, I believe Buxton, um, but a number of the ones we've named here are either like tendon things where it's from strain and workload or it's soft tissue stuff, which also comes from um, workload or lack thereof workload. So I'm not entirely surprised to see this on both sides of the ball. I mean, I assumed that more pitchers would happen. Um, but on the um, Corey Kluber side, and I'm not meaning to do this as just a diss track on the Yankees. I have to preface a lot of my Yankees takes with that because I do a lot of that when we are talking normally. I struggle to see that Corey Kluber has much left in him. I mean, don't get me wrong. The pitching has been fantastic this year. Uh, 304 ERA this year. Very, very good. However, this is a guy who before this has thrown 36 innings over the last two years. He is the anomaly. Like, not the anomaly, but the he is completely unrelated, I think, to the majority of the injury issues in this league right now. Because... It just seems to me this guy threw 200 innings for five straight years, which we don't see that much anymore, where guys are going over 200, most of them too convincingly by 10, 15 innings. I'm not sure he has enough left in him to make it through a season. I'm not sure. I, I think we might see more issues for Corey Kluber, unfortunately for the Yankees fans, as we get through this season. He may come back. He may pitch well when he's back but it's a matter of how long he'll be able to stay. Yeah, I, I think y'all are, you know, spot on there. Uh, I remember, you know, just to kind of add to what y'all are talking about, last last year there was a lot of videos and stuff coming up of, that you know, a lot of places, you know, gyms were closed, and, you know, some of these guys don't have home gyms, I guess, and, 
you know, uh, even though a lot of them do because they've got that money. But, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of times it's been you saw some of the guys workouts are throwing a baseball against the mattress. And I think that sometimes, you know, some of these guys are, have worked really, really, really hard to get back into game shape and get back to their, you know, get their strength back and stuff. And that maybe in, in some ways that's, you know, they've overworked themselves this off season or, you know, that's, that's leading to a lot of these soft tissue injuries. Cause, um, but you know, you're spot on a guy like Cordy Kluber, or even to a certain extent, you know, Buxton, um, you know, trout, maybe even, you know, they all seem to have dealt with injuries before and, and missed, you know, significant time in, in several different seasons with, with injury impacts then too. I mean, he's just the guy that he's injured every year, but um, I, I'm sure Brandon could, uh, could elaborate on that being a Yankees fan, but, um, but yeah, so, um, I, you know, it, it's definitely a been a problem this year so far, but hopefully as, as these guys kind of get rounded back into form, you know, with a full, full 162 game season, we get back to, you know, people, these, these guys staying healthy more and being in better game shape. But, uh, the next thing you want, we wanted to ask you and, uh, you know, it's kind of a general question, but what are some teams and, and, you know, we've talked about it on the show. A lot of times we go through like an entire standings breakdown on our, uh, on our show, maybe once or twice a month, but what do you guys think of, you know, what teams have impressed you this year? What teams have disappointed Ooh. you? What teams do y'all think are, you know, kind of the teams to beat this year so far? Uh, well, I think the team that, I mean, it's probably kind of a little too late to hop on their bandwagon, but I mean, Tampa Bay, that stretch that they just had has, was pretty crazy. And when you look at where they sit in terms of run, run differential, they're at plus 50, which is a very good mark to be at, uh, at this point in the season, they're third in the American league in that. And, you know, they're a team that you always know that they're going to be able to pitch, you know, that. They're going to have a bunch of young players under control. Uh, that's just the way they operate. Eric Neander in that group there in the front office, you know, they make more trades than anyone. And they're always a force uh, in the AL East. They're the, the weirdest team in the league, but you always know they're going to be able to pitch. And if that offense gets hot, I mean, we saw that exact thing happen in the postseason last year. That offense got hot and they can just pitch their way out of any situation. And, uh, you know, uh, Tyler Glass now is a stud there at the top, and they have such a good bullpen that uh, the Rays are certainly going to be a tough out uh, this entire year. Yeah, you mentioned the the, the Rays uh, making a lot of trades. Of course, you know, this week you saw them trade their starting shortstop to, um, yeah. to the Milwaukee, so it's pretty, pretty crazy for a couple of more bullpen arms that are probably going to turn into, like, the best bullpen arms in the game now that they're with Tampa. So, <laughs> yeah, and it's nuts. And the other thing too that I just realized. Well, first off, um, it was eleven in a row. Yeah, it was eleven in a row. They lost. They're twelve and one in their last thirteen. Like they they bound. They got right back up on the wagon after losing that game. And I'm st- sitting here looking at it. They're below five hundred at home. Yeah. Like, yeah. That that's not gonna that that mark with how what well this team is playing, and how well we've already projected them to play. That mark of below five hundred at home isn't sustainable. So even if their away numbers come back down, they're still going to be in a very good situation coming down the rest of the year. Um, we talked a lot about these guys who have also situated themselves incredibly well. I'm all over these San Francisco Giants. 
this is a team that went out and legitimately made moves when they could have sold out. This is a very easy situation with San Diego loading up, LA loading up. It's an incredibly easy situation to just wipe the board clean, go get some prospects and try to load up for another run in four years. Instead, They've gone out, they've been aggressive, and they've been competitive, and they've put together probably the best pitching rotation in baseball right now, which are all guys that are incredibly fun to watch, even the ones that aren't performing up to their potential, like Johnny Cueto hasn't looked great since he came back from injury, but they're still a lot of fun. This team is a lot of fun to watch. They've got a lot of veterans that you're already kind of clinging to, like you already know, you already love them, guys like Evan Longoria, for us um, AL East fans, guys you know and seeing that are having bounce back years, rejuvenating their career, it makes them a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, hundred percent. I like the I like the signings that they made in their pitching staff too. They've done a great job there, and uh, Puster Posey hitting like he has has been really mm-hmm. fun. But a uh, couple teams just real quick that y'all uh, you know that y'all haven't liked at all so far that that maybe you thought were going to be pretty good and just haven't haven't panned out. Oh, Minnesota might be the most disappointing team in the league right now. Um, I mean, I was hoping for Washington to do a little better, but at the end of the day, there was a lot of very talented teams in a division that hasn't played well to begin with. So it was was a matter of – it was natural that one or two teams was going to underperform because of the talent in the division. But the way Minnesota has looked these past couple of years where they've been either winning the division or competing for the division – every year at the end of the year without really getting that breakout, like I'm finally arrived, I'm an all con- continuous all-star thing from both um, Byron Buxton and I'm blanking on his name, the pitcher, Jose Barrios. Right. Yeah. Um, with Barrios and Buxton have really been the difference. Like this team could make postseason runs if they got their two stars to actually become stars. They've been waiting for these guys to do it. They then came out, and Buxton and Barrios looked amazing through the start of this season. Barrios still looks solid. Buxton, if he gets, if he comes back and performs mostly like he has been for the last 150 games from when he comes back from his injury, I think he can still be an MVP candidate. But the rest of the team has failed them miserably. They're 20 and 29 with the two pieces that we thought they needed actually showing up, and they have become significantly worse. So there's plenty of talent, I think, there for them to be a decent team, but they have not shown it. Yeah, the team that uh, I'm, you know, uh, that I'm down on right now is the the Los Angeles Angels. I mean, look, you have quite possibly the two most most uh, valuable players in the league in Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. And then you have a guy in Anthony Rendon who some consider to be the best third baseman in the league. I'm not sure I would go that far, but I mean, that's a guy who has been getting consistent top 10 MVP votes for five seasons in his career. And to the fact that they just refuse to, to uh, try and get any sort of pitching to help that offense, uh, I just don't get because – They've had so many opportunities, whether it's to trade for uh, a top top of the line starting pitcher or to to go and get one in free agency. It's a team that uh, finished second to in the in the the Garrett Cole sweepstakes, and then 
didn't even try to get Trevor Bauer this offseason or any of the other top starting pitchers. So, uh, yeah, I'm down on the Angels. Also, they cut Albert Pujols. Uh, you know, that's that's an entirely different situation, of course. But it was certainly as a fan of, of Albert throughout his entire career, it was, it was tough to see that uh, choice get made. Hey, I am perfectly fine with them cutting Albert Pujols. Right? <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm very excited to watch him on my team for the rest of the year. Were you year, excited so. when he struck out the end of the game tonight? Hey, that's happened <laughs> from time to time. All right, but but uh, but yeah, and, and you know, I agree with with both of those. I think me and Damian both in our preseason predictions picked the Angels, right? Yeah, we both picked yeah. them to win the division, actually. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, they've been snake bit a little bit, too. I mean, they've had injuries. Rend, when, when they were healthy, Rendon went down when, when it looked like they were going to be pretty healthy to start the season. Otani was healthy and Trout was healthy. Uh, Rendon went down. Then he came back and Trout immediately gets hurt. and He's out for a long time. And, I mean, they've had uh, other pitchers that just haven't panned out. I mean, it, you know, they, they didn't go out and make a big signing, but they made several signings of guys who you thought, well, you know, that's a pretty good pitcher before. Those guys like Jose Quintana. Or uh, somebody, or, or you know, and then they have back Dylan Bundy, Andrew Haney, who were good last year, and it just has not panned out well at all for them. And um, you know, really unfortunate, especially with the fact that you know Otani's broken out definitely at the plate and on the mound. He's looked, he, he's he's looked really good. He, he's he got a little bit of control issue, but he's you know pitched well. And uh, you know, and then you look at how well Jared Walsh has played. That's been unfortunate. And of course, you talk about the Twins. It's just you know, not their year. I mean, they've made a lot of mistakes, lost a lot of close games. You know, Kenta Maeda was one of the best pitchers in the league last year. Hasn't been good this year. You know, you hate to see, uh, you know, you hate to see teams struggle like that. But uh, but very interesting so far. I think it's been a pretty fun season so far. Um, We're going to look at, uh, you know, as we always do in our show, uh, we we do a players of the week. And um, I think what we're doing today is that, uh, LJ and Brandon from MLB Daily, they're going to pick players of the week, a pitcher and a hitter, and then Damian and I are going to pick a, a pitcher and a hitter. So, uh, LJ, Brandon, who, who do y'all have for your pitcher this week? Um, I believe we settled on Brandon Woodruff. Yes. Yeah, I mean, this guy, you know, Corbin Burns went on that crazy streak to start the year in a part of baseball in a air air age of age of baseball is what i'm looking for there geez um where everybody is trying to throw with these crazy breaking balls and these super fast balls both whether it's breaking or something a fastball there's a lot less control than there used to be there's a lot less guys trying to paint the corners and so you're not going to really have nearly the same control numbers you're going to have a lot more walks in this day and age especially seeing that's one of the main things that guys are looking for they're looking to home run or they're looking to walk so to strike out that many to start the season was ridiculous but the main thing that that did here was it completely overshadowed brandon woodruff who's having an amazing season with this team and is pitching just as he was expected to he is one of the best pitchers in the game in my opinion, even when that streak was going on, I always felt very comfortable with the fact that he was better than Corbin Burns. He only sits a strikeout behind him right now. Um, so if he's just going to keep going with this, I am all here to see it. Actually, I'm all here to see both of them continue pitching the way they have. Yeah, yeah Brandon, amazing this yeah. year. 
Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, Brandon Woodruff. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He's been amazing this year, and he's been good really since since 2019. I mean, when me and LJ love to to bring up these stats from a baseball savant, these like expected stats, he's been in like the top 20 percentile of expected ERA sort of since 2019, and I think he's just a guy who gets really overlooked and is actually a fantastic pitcher. Yeah, and I think Damian and I, we've, we've talked about both him and Burns a lot, and my goodness, I mean, both of those guys. Uh, Milwaukee might be the weirdest team in the league because they've got the two two of the best pitchers. I think it's the best one-two combination in the majors. Damian might disagree with that, but I, I agree with y'all 100%. I, I love Brandon Woodruff, and what he's been doing lately is just incredible. So. Yeah, well, I disagree just a little bit, but we'll we'll keep it we'll keep it moving from that that standpoint. Well, if we're talking um, pitchers in general, I think if you had to pick three a team with the best three overall pitchers, and you throw Josh Hader into that mix, this man has been an animal since he came into the league and continues to amaze me every single time he goes up there. It's just it's a dom. It's not always like the most technically perfect thing you're gonna see. But it is absolutely dominant every single time he throws the ball. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Matt, who do you? Uh, I know you will pick this pitcher. So who do you got? So uh, I picked this week a guy from Atlanta that has been pitching really well lately, uh, Charlie Morton. Um, you know, there was a couple of the guys who threw no hitters, uh, but with all due respect to Spencer Turnbull and uh, Corey Kluber, they also made a second start and. Neither one of them were great in their second starts of the week. So I picked, um, you know, I picked Charlie Morton. He's a guy that the Braves really needed to get going. And uh, he, he's really started to turn it on. He made some mechanical adjustments in the last few weeks, and he started to strike guys out again. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that at 37 years old is throwing as hard as he ever has. I mean, he's in the mid to upper 90s. And over the last couple of weeks, you know, a sub sub one ERA uh, with uh, two uh, within his two starts, a couple wins. Uh, you know, I think last start out, he had nine strikeouts and, and seven innings, I believe, of one-run ball. It might have been a shutout in the last game. I don't remember. Actually, I believe it was a shutout. Seven shutout innings and nine strikeouts. That was last night against Boston. So um, he's a guy who uh, has really been really been killing it so far for, for Atlanta, especially in the last week or so. Well, LJ and Matt, who do you guys have for your hitter of the week? Or Matt, sorry, LJ and Brandon. Brandon, you can go ahead and take this one. Well, yeah, our hitter for the week is uh, Jesse Winker of the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, LJ and I have been all over this guy uh, really since since opening day. Uh, he is just such a fantastic hitter, and just watching him hit, he can really do it all. I mean, you watch him, he can hit pitches on the inside part of the plate. He can hit uh, those, like, low and away breaking balls that you see pitchers try to uh, throw so much now. And talk about a week he had. He had a stretch where he had five home runs and nine at-bats. Uh, of course, when Fernando Tatis had that series against the, the Dodgers and he was red hot, that was five home runs and 11 at-bats. So uh, that just shows how impressive uh, his weekend was. And this is a guy who uh, – is in the conversation for the the NL MVP right now. His stats have been uh, 
pretty much the best. He's he's been one of the best hitters in the league, and uh, you know it was a Reds team that we saw. Uh, they they uh, got off to a really hot start. Uh, they still have a good offense, but they just can't pitch as well as they need to. But it's nice to see that that offense is still uh, producing great uh, hitters this year. Man, why'd you have to bring up that Fernando Tatis deal? I was already over that, and then you just <laughs> bring it back up. Uh, yeah. No, and the the scary part about Winker is, you know, he batted three eighteen with a four hundred on base and a, a one thousand slugging this week, but his BABIP was only one fifty four. Oh, so yeah. his BABIP was extremely, he, extremely low. He was like, he was so unlucky this week, and he still put up such a great week. I think that just goes to show you how good he actually played. And I mean, you, you know, we talked earlier. That, Damien and I, when we were picking our player, we picked, and spoiler alert, we picked Vlad, Vlad Jr., but we were looking at the list, and he's had a low BABIP, too, and, you know, it, it'd be easy to pick someone like Austin Riley or Fernando Tatis Jr., who's had a big league, but these guys have played, have had just as good a numbers as those guys, yet they've been extremely unlucky at the plate, too, which is uh, pretty crazy, so um, good stuff there, and uh, Damien, if you want to talk about uh, Fernando Tatis, I mean, uh, Vlad Jr. I, I don't want to talk us. about Fernando Tatis Jr. anymore. <laughs> I meant okay? Vlad Jr. We've been, we were just mentioning. I know. Uh, <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, Vlad Jr. has been amazing this week. Like we said, you know, he has five homers this week as well. Had two multi-homer games, um, and then he had another homer in the game right after. 11 RBIs this week. We were talked about his BABIP. You know, he's batting 379 with a 455 on base and a 966 slugging this week, but his BABIP was only 286. So, like Matt said, to – to be extremely unlucky while still producing at this high level. I mean, in batting war this week alone, he was the second most valuable player behind Fernando Tatis Jr. And he was extremely unlucky. So, I mean, it, it, this is, you know, hopefully this is the start of the breakout season and career that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was expected to have as that young prospect and being Vladimir Guerrero Sr.'s son, you know, everybody expected him to be so great. And he had kind of struggled his first couple of years. So it's really good to see from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I hope he, uh, he keeps it up. Yeah, no doubt. And, and this is a guy who, you know, I think he hit his 16th home run today. So I think he leads the majors in home runs. Is that does anybody know if that's accurate? Um, he led it yesterday, and then somebody tied him today. Adolis Adolis tied him. Yep. Yeah. Who's also been killing it? But uh. Oh yeah, that honestly might be my favorite what if of the year. I mean, you can say whatever you want about Fernando Tatis, uh, being traded as a prospect. But what about what if? What could this uh St. Louis Cardinals team look yeah. like if they still had Adolis Garcia and Randy Rosarena? Yep. Oh yeah, they've they've made some uh, questionable trades at best in the last year or two, but um, you know never trade with the Rays. That's the number one rule of baseball: <laughs> no. never trade with the Rays, unless it's like a cash transaction or something like that, where it's just like where you whatever. Get the no, yeah, you if get there's the a player, player involved, yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. do it. You only give them cash. Do not give them any players because they're at pirates. Lot. Yeah. Well, that's also part of why I'm kind of you know holding out hope for the Bloom experiment working out in Boston because I desperately long to be in that early part of the offseason that always kind of creepily happens between all of the former Tampa teams. Like, if you haven't noticed it, basically Tampa, the Dodgers, the Padres, and occasionally like Pittsburgh will jump in on this, um, but it's usually those three teams just swap a bunch of players just very quietly at the beginning of the off season, I need to get in on this. I need someone who knows to, how to talk the talk 
with Tampa, and we have that right now. Whether that's actually working is a big question mark, but I hope it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, we're not going to keep you guys too long. That'll pretty much wrap this up. It was great having you guys on. Um, thank you for, for coming on with us and giving us some of your time. Um, once again, if you guys want to plug you know, your podcast and where you guys can find it and everything, go ahead and do that. Yeah, first, actually, I have one more thing I need to talk about. Oh, good. Which one of you has been answering the questions? <laughs> the trivia. Uh, da- Damien, mostly. I answered a couple. It, all right, so for those of you who don't know, don't know, actually, this is a really great plug. Uh, we have a season-long trivia competition to win an MLB Daily and Belly Up Sports shirt. Or depending if we even if we decide to drop something early, you'll get like three. So this could be any... This realistically could be a prize anywhere value between uh, 40 and like 80 bucks for this. Basically, all you have to do is answer a question on the MLB Daily uh, Twitter each day. Um, it's usually, sometimes it ranges from really difficult to fairly easy, but no matter what. Are it you almost... sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's the thing. I don't know. Sam like, Howard, baby. I will say the Sam Howard one got me. That one got me. Okay. Thank goodness. I mean, I legitimately, there have been days where I have just taken so much time with this question just <laughs> to try to jump these two, and it has almost never worked. Uh, I wasn't expecting, I, I probably should have expected the John Lester one to go as quick as it did today. Um, but like the one, the Adam Dunn one, I was not expecting people to grab onto as quick as they did. The only okay, so I'll tell you the only reason I, I saw the Broadway hat say it before me, but the only reason I knew it was Adam Dunn was because it was like forty four for every stop, mm. yes. and I'm like Adam Dunn's the only one that I know that really wore forty four at so many different spots. Adam Dunn would be so much fun to see right now. Yes, like Adam it, Dunn would he be like Joey Gallo with like maybe a um, little more contact. He was yeah. the three true outcomes player. Like his entire yeah. career was just walks, home runs, and strikeouts. Yeah. Adam Dunn is twenty twenty one baseball in like two thousand five. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, definitely. Um, for anyone who's looking for a fun time, follow us on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. Participate in our little game. I will try to challenge people as much as I can. You know, sometimes those creative juices won't necessarily be flowing. But I think I think you guys can back me up on this. It's been a pretty fun start of the year so far, and I want to do a whole bunch more and look around the world of baseball with us. Yeah, it's been a we've we've talked about it. it's been a really fun season. We're excited that you know full capacity crowds are coming back. I mean, it, I know in LA they said in the June fifteenth, so just a couple weeks, that they're going to be doing that, and you know it, it's fun to see the baseball world kind of getting back to what it was pre pandemic. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think, uh, you know, I haven't been to a major league game yet this year, but I'm going to go to one pretty soon in the next month or so. And Atlanta's back to full capacity and I just can't wait to get in a baseball stadium. I've been to a couple of minor league games, a couple of college games recently. And man, I, I've, it, it, once you get back, you just, it's hard to believe how much you missed going to the ballpark. So. Absolutely. Um, so. Well, thank you guys for coming on this episode. Um, it was really fun. I didn't even expect it to go this long. So thank you so much for, for taking this time with us. And like they said, if you guys want to check them out every day, MLB Daily, um, can they find you on Apple and Spotify? Apple, Everywhere. Spotify, Spreaker, 
um, just about everywhere you would go for podcasts. If there's somewhere you go and you want us to go, let us know and we'll try to figure that out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there it is. Well, thank you guys for coming on again. I can't emphasize that enough. It's uh, you guys are our first guest we've had on this. This is our 37th episode. So that's a, that's a milestone for us for actually having this happen. And uh, thank you guys enough. I mean, I, I keep saying it, but I mean, it's a big deal for us to, to make this far and have somebody on as our first guest officially. Thank you guys. I mean, this is a lot of fun. We, I, I can speak for myself. I really enjoy uh, talking with you guys. You guys know a ton, a ton about baseball. You are more than qualified to be talking baseball as much as you do. And I look forward to us talking again in the future. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We are honored to be uh, your guest. Uh, thank you for having us. And uh, yeah, one last plug. Make sure you follow us uh, on Twitter. If you want to answer those trivia questions, it's at MLB Daily Pod on Twitter. And uh, I'll do my best uh, after I answer them to make sure to retweet and and like those so you guys can see it, but not get the full <laughs> points. I want to get all the points for myself. All right, LJ? <laughs> yes, sir. All right. You guys well, have fun with it. All right, thanks, guys. And thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode of the Batflip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.